played Roma games in a Mercato window. Uh, we're finally back and have a lot of topics to cover. I have James back on the podcast. Um, great to have you back, James. Thank you. Hello. And uh, also, Daniel, welcome back on the podcast. Thanks, Alex. It's always nice to be here. It's um, the day after the Coppa Italia defeat. Maybe it's only normal to start there. Uh, how do you feel today, uh, Daniel? And how did you feel yesterday after the, the Napoli game? I was fuming. I was so angry, but um, I've had a I've had a few hours to calm down, and now it's more of a more of a depression. I suppose it's mainly because I, I don't know about you two, but for me, losing to Napoli is one of the worst teams to lose to. I really hate it. It's it's right up there with a the Juventus defeat or a Lazio defeat. And um, in my opinion, I think a lot could have been could have been done to prevent the defeat, or at least not make it such a such a big big scoreline, such a big thumping. I mean, three 0 is a big defeat. But I know um, you, Alex. Well, what, what we were debating yesterday on Twitter was that um, you want well, a change I, I thought, in the lineup uh, yeah, against thought, Lazio. Yeah, yeah. I thought a, rota- a rotation would have been. I don't, I don't think he rotated the team enough. I think um, a lot of the players played about all, almost all three games, especially the midfield. The midfield barely got any um, rest, and I think that's why it was so easy for Napoli to dominate. Um, the midfield against us, and that's why I think ultimately we we really struggled last night. So I, I agree with Daniel in that I losing to Napoli is all is the same as losing to Lazio and Juventus for me. I really don't don't like to lose to that club. Um, however, I was expecting us to lose to Napoli because I think in all three games we played against them this season, even including last night. In, Although we won the first two at the Olympico, the league game and the first league the week before uh, last week, um, I think Napoli played the better football in all three games. So I wasn't, I was expecting that we would struggle last night, particularly only having a one goal advantage and then having two away goals. And, um, so I, I was expect, fearing the worst. However, there was always the possibility that we would go, you know, would um, at least get a draw and qualify. But I do agree that the that the midfield in particular looked particularly tired. But one of the things that I noticed reading recent games is that when we change the lineup in attack, we play very differently. If we play up with Totti, we play with a we don't play with an out and out striker. When we play with Destro, we do. And sometimes the players, they get used to doing certain things, I think, and they, and, and they don't, and, and therefore sometimes we don't get the, 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 the ball being passed into scoring positions inside the penalty area that you would expect, uh, to play, to, to see with a striker because they're not used to playing that way. And so I think that Napoli attacked with more, it's like they, they knew what they were, Doing their, 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 their game plan was well rehearsed, whereas we ours changes depending on which which you know what tactic we have in attack. So I think um, and that and also some of the defending was um, particularly on the first goal was very poor. I mean to to score with a free header in front of the goal six yards from the goal line is um, yeah. is is not something we've got used to this season. So. It was probably an element of fatigue, I suppose, in that everybody 
virtually everybody played both games in the defence and the, in the midfield of the last few games and um, no rotation as we said and um, Napoli exploiting really I mean really when you look at it all it was the biggest regret I have about last night was that it was too easy for Napoli they didn't really have to do an awful lot um, apart from the goalkeeper Rainer made two excellent saves in the first half when you have that home advantage, I always feel more comfortable playing against sides like Fiorentina, Napoli, Juventus. When you look at the results the last years, it's quite good, actually, when you look at the strong opposition and, and Roma playing home. But Napoli away, I was like, Napoli they, is... They played better, though. I think, I think the quality of their football was better, except in goal scoring. Offensively, yeah, because they have, they have what we lack offensively. You know, Napoli didn't create that much against us, but they scored two goals. James actually made a good point earlier. I was going to pick up on that. Um, and that's about the, the problem with our strikers is that we've got either Destro or Totti and they're completely different players. And then every time we switch from one or another, every time one comes on the bench for the other, the whole team has to seemingly change a uh, system. And I think I tweeted it yesterday, but I think we need to give up with the Totti as a false nine. I don't, I don't really like it. I don't think it is, it's worked since the Palmer game. I think it's better for him to be a left winger, um, like, uh, under Zeman. Because I remember under Zeman, he used to play these diagonal balls, um, just behind the two center backs, the opposition center backs. And it was so easy for Osvaldo just to run through them, pick up the ball and just slot it past the goalkeeper. That um, goal against Inter last season at uh, San Siro comes to mind. I think that would be a much, a much better um, system in attack. But also, like you say, the defence yesterday we had no favours done by playing Bastos at left back, and um, uh, the first goal was across from our left flank. I can't remember if he was not marking or what, but it came from our left flank. And then I think it was the third or second goal. Bastos played. Um, mm. Jorginho on line, on side, I think. And then Jorginho just tapped it past. But I suppose, you know, he's, a, he's probably our fourth choice left back behind Torres, Dodo and Balzeretti. And, and the two of those are, are injured. And, um, I don't know why Maicon didn't start because Garcia said he was fit, but uh, what could we do really? Well, I was just going to say it's interesting because if, if, um, it, it, I think this, this issue has been, um, uh, there really for quite a few weeks now of how to structure the attack. And if you think about it, a lot of our success early in the season was based on playing with the, um, withdrawn striker, Totti playing in that role. And then you had Jovino and Florenzi, who generally played, started games, who were running onto his passes. But how that doesn't seem to have been very sustainable because it's um, the effectiveness of it has waned in recent weeks. So um, if you are going to redesign the attack and play with a striker, then I think you have to do it consistently. Right? Because I think what happens is that, and last night was a good example, where Napoli, they know exactly how they're going to play. They play with a striker, Higuain, and they know the movements and, and when to release the ball and where to pass it. And I think that's something that sometimes you see in our performances where the players, when they do play with a striker, they don't necessarily release the ball at the right time and put it in the right place because they're not not like used to doing that. 
So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens now, whether Garcia has a rethink. Up to this point, um, we lost our second game of the season. Um, it's not in the league even, it's in the Coppa Italia. So there's no crisis and I don't see the, the big need of a big change. Trying Totti on the left flank, maybe, but who do you put? You put then Gervinho on the other flank and then maybe Destro in the center. Is that the idea, Daniel? Yeah, I'd go with, um, I know a lot of Roma fans aren't uh, too keen on Destro after last night, but, uh. But he's the only option we have, isn't it? Well, to me, just personally, I think Yaic uh, makes more sense as a false nine than Totti would anyways, because I think Yaic has the pace that if Totti was playing on a left wing and he would slip balls just, just past the, the opposition centre backs, I think Yaic could be really good to just pick up those runs. When you watch Yaic off the ball, he's always looking for that ball, just that incisive little cutting ball inside. And uh, he makes more sense than Totti at false nine. I think teams got too used to playing against Totti as that withdrawn striker. And against a team like Napoli, you don't have particularly quick centre-backs. It wouldn't have made sense to... I know Distro started, but it wouldn't have made sense to have put Totti on in through the middle. And the, the reason most teams struggle against Trevino is because the defenders either can't keep pace with him or... They can't read his dribbling, and I think Yaich is similar. And if you play him through the middle, I think it will bring more joy than Totti. So a false nine, yeah, but then you can have Totti on the side because then you you need to have movement and speed, uh, and that's Florenzi and Gervinho. That's why it, we have succeeded with Totti in that role uh, because Florenzi and Gervinho has had a great season. Um, you know, a solution, although, again, it does present another problem. If... You reverted to uh, Uno Roma da Spalletti, 4-2-3-1. You could play Totti as an orthodox trequartista behind Destro, and then you'd still have two fast wingers in uh, creative players in, in Giovinho on one side, and then Lajic or Florenzi, you know, two of the three, either side of the striker. The problem with that is you wouldn't have a role for Pjanic, because Totti would effectively have that role. So you'd then play two from Destra, um, De, De Rossi, Strutman and Mangoland in the midfield. There's also um, uh, an element that impacts on this is the transfer market because I'm look, I was looking through the list of players we bought and we bought two strikers in January, um, Berisha from Helmstedt and Sanabria from Barcelona, albeit they didn't yeah. come directly to us. They came for Berisha did. Sanabria is at Sassuolo, I think. Yeah. On loan. And, um, so strategically, presumably, that is the intention to play with a striker since we bought two of them in January. So, um, it make, it would make more sense, presumably, to, to, to use someone like Destro. If you're saying that Destro is, you know, seems to be the best suited to play. Yeah. I would just keep the same formula that has kept us with a, a record start uh, and only two loss, two losses in how many games? Thirty games uh, with Coppa Italia and the league. I, I don't. I like I said. I wouldn't start gambling too much. Uh, the the only thing with Destro though is if we want him to be our main guy, 
he needs to play and he needs to have confidence because if he doesn't have confidence, he will never be a great striker for us. I can see him being a great striker in another club than Roma just because we don't, we won't give him the chance to, to, to grow. But that said, even though we give him the chance and he, in, and he reaches his potential, I think if, if we want to grow, um, I still think we need to get a better striker than Destro. Uh, I mean, I, I said it on Twitter yesterday. I think he's a great second tier striker. But if we want to reach a new level, we need to look uh, on the first tier. I mean, that will be too expen- expensive for us right now, but with potentially a Champions League and potentially a, a Pjanic sale uh, and sell Destro, you, you probably have enough money to buy a Higuain uh, kind of player. But, you know, then uh, Garcia and uh, Sabatini is deciding, uh, you know, this is the way forward. Uh, but right okay. now they have to decide, should we stick to the game plan that has given so much up till now or, or try to change it? Because I, I agree with you, James, it's an excellent point. We seem to be a bit confused um, offensively because we change uh, and rotate too much. And they're too different. The, the kind of players who come in are too different. And the point Daniel makes is that while I agree it might seem safer to stick with what we've done <laughs> until now, the, the, the point that Daniel made was that how sustainable is that for the rest of the season? Well, it's, it's how many league games are there? I mean, w- why should it change when we've been so good up till now? Uh, the same problem with the lack of execution in the final third. It's been the same problem whole season, but we still score goals from all over the field. We just don't have that one I score all the goals kind of guy up front. We have divided in all our kind of, uh, you know, we have five different, oh, is it four different players with five goals? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, that's actually a, a healthy sign, if you ask me. So I wouldn't say, no, we need to change, but looking uh, to next season, you have to do some changes. Uh, I wouldn't do drastic changes now, but... There's still uh, 15 games left, by the way. I just counted them out. 15? Yeah. Mm, quite a few. Yeah, it is. Um, no, I wouldn't be too worried. Just we lost a Coppa Italia tie. Um I would be uh, much more worried if we had uh, starting to to pick up a few more losses in the league, which we can't afford to. Uh, and that's more or less what we argued about yesterday, Daniel. I think it was the right move to say put the best eleven against Lazio, because we ca- we can't lose focus against uh, in the league. We're still not safe uh, when it comes to Champions League. And between so Champions League and Coppa Italia, I say Champions League if we want to to move forward because we need the money. You see, the reason I disagree with you is because, no disrespect to Lazio as a sporting team, but there was no way we were going to lose that derby against Lazio. We didn't need to rotate the defence too much. Benatia and Castan could have stayed, which they did. We were never going to lose that derby if we had put maybe Nangolan for Pjanic, maybe Destro for Totti. Maybe Yaj for Florenzi and keep those three that we've just taken off and put them in the cup or other. 
I agree on Nangolam because he didn't play against Napoli and he could do uh, just as good job as any other guy on the midfield. But Florenzi and Totti starting against Lazio, I felt it was the right decision. I'm sorry, I'd rather say let's let's do our best to get the three points because they are vital and uh, that's... I think that's the thing we disagreed on. Well, we might, well, I would say in reply to that, I would say, firstly, I would prefer to win the Coppa Italia and finish third than not win the Coppa Italia and finish second. Because third place agree. still brings the, the place in the Champions League playoff round. Plus, the other point I would make is one of the things that struck me and someone said to me I was watching the game with when I was watching the derby was how... Too many chances were coming from outside the penalty area. And one of the things, paradoxically, we would have probably benefited from, now this might be with the benefit of hindsight because the way Lazio played, but um, the, 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 one of the things we probably would have benefited from in the derby would have been having more chances from inside the penalty area. And that would have necessitated having Destro playing, probably. Yeah, I know in hindsight it's so easy to to have this conversation and potentially would you rather have Coppa Italia in third place or no mm. Coppa Italia in second place, but that was not the issue. The issue was you want to go into the Napoli away game, which Napoli is huge favourites in, uh after giving them two goals uh which gave Roma a very tough tough task uh, before going into the de- derby. I mean, if we had won 2-0 against Napoli, I probably would have seen a bit different on that topic. Because, But losing 3-2, that's more or less giving the, the advantage to Napoli. And it's a totally different uh, game plan you have to come up with then. Now it was going to be too tough. And I wasn't too surprised that we lost uh, against Napoli. And I think that that might have been uh, decisive as well when it comes to Garcia's plan. But that said, I won't. I won't say I wasn't. Uh, I was very, as you guys, uh, a bit uh, frustrated yesterday. Obviously. Yeah. Maybe that's enough Coppa Italia. Um, let's let me go over the games uh, we have played. Do you guys have anything to say about the league game against Juventus and the Coppa Italia game? Uh, we had the last podcast before the Juventus game. It was uh, a bit like last night's game in a way. I had, the, I had the impression that we were, against Juventus, we were sort of brushed aside. The, the, the reason they seemed similar to me is they took command of the game and I think by and large controlled the game after they got their noses in front. That was the lasting impression that I was left with um, uh, including after the Juventus game. I thought the Juventus were pretty convincing winners in the end. However, what was great about that game, in a way, was that it was followed by a great reaction. You know, we came back to form in the league. Um, yeah, let's let's go over them. It was uh, 4-0 against Genoa, uh, 3-0 against Livorno, um, and then we beat Hellas Verona away. Mm. Uh, and then we had a postponed game against Parma and uh, a draw against Lazio. So it's uh, we, we have we have done quite good at, after the the defeat. So we can hope 
for similar reaction now? Or Yeah, I, I don't see any reason why things can't um, get back on track. But uh, again, I, I'm slight. I'm, I'm interested to see how things go. Whether there is, um, you know, much more life in this system we've been using by and large up till now. But we'll see what Garcia does. Whether we um, adjust things or see, you know, see how things go in the next game, and then um, which is a home game against Sampdoria, which is a very winnable game. And then after that, there's a trickier game away to Bologna. So. I think this Sampdoria game will be interesting to see, you know, how things, what Garcia does and how well the reaction, you know, the team reacts. Mm. On the note of uh, fixtures, um, I had a look and one of the positive things for Roma is that over the next um, 28 days or so, both Juventus and Napoli have uh, seven fixtures each because um, they both start their... Um, the Europa, Europa League, League yeah. campaigns and well Juventus have Trabzon Spor Napoli have to uh, play Swansea which could be uh, Napoli should brush them aside but I suppose it's extra games on top of uh, the Serie A uh, commitment while Roma only have to have five games but over the next five games we certainly have much tougher games with uh, Inter at home in a few weeks then Napoli away, and then Udinese at home. Those yeah. three in a row are quite tricky, while Juventus have the likes of Chievo and um, Genoa, although they also have Milan and Fiorentina. And Napoli have Sassuolo and Livorno in their next five, which is both uh, relegation teams. So I think Rome have to win all five games again to to keep, their, to keep second. Yeah, I think all games are winnable. It's just a Napoli game, obviously, uh, which yeah. might be a, a bit different. Um. However, it's worth noting that although the, table, the league table, that you know, they, the saying is the table never lies. Well, it does slightly at the moment because we are nine points behind Juventus, but we do have the extra game to play, which yeah. is it. We can expect probably to take three points in that game. Well, we, you know, I, I would expect to take three points. We should start. Favorites, and also we have to play Juventus at the Olympico. Yeah. So um, there's still, and uh, as was said, you know that, that, that Thursday night football—that's the other thing—will begin next week for Juventus. So we'll see how they um, how they react to having to play on a Thursday and a Sunday. Yeah, and especially as it's not—it's unlikely that they'll just, as some Serie A clubs do, like. Um, not be too lose too much sweat if they're eliminated from the Europa League because the final's in their own stadium. So the prospect yeah. of winning that competition at home probably is quite attractive to them. You know. And I also I think we talked about this with Mina on the last podcast. Um, Fiorentina and Juventus are it's a very likely game uh, which will happen in the next round if both progress. They will face each yeah. other. And that's a game Fiorentina wants to win because they hate Juventus. Mm. Um, yep. So uh, they can actually... And then they, win. they can just uh, kick uh, lumps out of each other then in, when yeah. they play each other. I think that will be a very serious game for both. Um, so that's good for us, obviously. Yeah. And all uh, the time, of course, that we stay within 
touching distance of Juventus, because if there is going to be a Scudetto contest, it's only going to be Juventus and Roma. The others are too far behind now. So, yeah. and of course, the advantage of that, if if, if there is a, a genuine, as many people think there will be in Italy, a, a, a genuine um, contest for the Scudetto, it will probably mean that we will finish second, you know, at, at worst, and get that automatic place in the Champions League. Yeah. No shame in that. I think um, I'm very optimistic about next season uh, already. So uh, as long as we don't sell our assets, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a very uh, exciting uh, Champions League season next season as well. Um, any thoughts for the Sampdoria game before we move on? I I think we don't try the uh, Michel Bastos thing ever again. <laughs> no. Or anytime soon. Before you move on, let, let's just say Bastos. He's he's a new signing and he looks good going forward, but uh, yep. n- obviously it doesn't have a defensive fiber in his body. So putting him on the left back against Napoli of all places away against Napoli, you play him. I just wanted to say he looks good as a winger. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What's yeah. interesting is when was the last time that Jovinho did not start for Roma? I mean, I think he's played. I don't even know. I'm sure he's played like the last six or seven in a row from start. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what his fitness levels are like. I think I think Bastos is going to play one of the next games instead of Garbino just to to get him some rest. Well, I'm okay with that. He's he does seem like a, a similar. Uh, he seems like the like for like replacement for Jovino. It seems more. Fitting. It's much better than having Marquinho on the bench to replace um, Jovino. So yeah. that would be fine by me as well. Especially against Sampdoria at home. I think that would be fine to to try that out. Yeah, I, I think that's the idea. I think we mentioned and, and talked about it before the Mercato that we needed a pacey winger. I think it, Greg also said this, that we need a left back uh, and, and a pacey winger. Uh and Julian wanted a alternative to the, to Pjanic, and then we got Nangolan. So yeah. uh, I I guess this is probably a, a perfect segue into the the Mercato window. I have a list here of all the players we signed, twelve of them. You see, a lot of the deals weren't weren't made official, were they? Even no. the deals like Sanabria, it wasn't even. That's right. Although they are, um, well, what happened was they're, they're, they're expected to happen. Yeah, we, we bought three players on loan with the option to buy in the summer. They are Nangolan from Cagliari, Bastos from Alain in the Toloi from San Paolo. And then we bought, actually, uh, Vesteniki from uh, Nitra in Slovakia, 17-year-old attacker. We bought Berisha, the striker from Halmstad, uh, 18 years old. Golubovic who is, um, we bought from OFK Belgrade, he's a fullback, Serbian, and we loaned him to Navarra, and I think he's played for Navarra already in Serie B for the remainder of the season. Vlad Marin came from Juventus, a Romanian left-back. Um, then uh, Gonzalez came from a uh, 19-year-old Uruguayan midfielder from Danubio. Radonjic from Partizan Belgrade, a 17-year-old Serbian winger. And um, then uh, Alberto Tibola, who came from Chievo, um, Italian midfielder, 18. 
and he came in part to exchange for Leandro Paredes, who was one of two the 19-year-old attacking midfielder from Boca Juniors, who's one of two players, along with Sanabria from Barcelona, the striker, Paraguayan striker, who's 17, that we bought, but that they actually were registered with Chievo and Sassuolo, respectively, because we couldn't, being over the quota of the European players. Yeah. So we signed 12 players all in, in a very hectic January. And we sold Michael Bradley to Toronto, Nicholas Bediso to Genoa, Gianluca Caprari was loaned to Pescara, Marco Borriello to West Ham and Marquinho to Verona. So there's five players left. There's a lot of business. I really doubt we have room for all these players. So is it just to make plus Valenza in the book of uh, Sabatini? Or do you guys... I mean, uh, Paredes, is a, uh, I heard his name before. So I think he's one of the players uh, we will see in the in the roster next season. Sanabria as well. Um, but all these other names, they're like... Uh, gambles, gambles worth taking because if they can't break it into our team, we just loan them out and sell them for uh, probably uh, a bit more than we bought them for. So they're also useful in these deals whereby you give a player to Udinese or Parma in part exchange with a fee for one of their players that you might be interested in. Yeah. So um, they're also useful in that respect. Although, like you say, the two names in particular that stand out are Paredes and Sanabria, um, but Berisha, I remember, I think Berisha was quoted as saying something like, I've been told that after spending the rest of this season with the Primavera, because he played in the Viareggio competition yeah. uh, uh, a week or so ago, he said, oh, I've been told I've, I'm going to join the first team next season. So, And Berisha, it was also another quite sought-after player, because he had signed or he was about to sign a contract with Dortmund and rejected it at the last minute to come to Roma. So he was obviously a very... Um, and I remember seeing that name floating about. So he's a quite, he was another quite sought-after player. Yeah. Did we mention Nangolan? Yes. I, I think on the last podcast, Nangolan was rumoured in. And uh, I never actually thought we could buy a player like Nangolan. But obviously, if we manage to offload uh, players like Marquinho and Bradley, I could see someone like Nangolan coming in. And let's be honest, uh, that was a very wise decision to make. Don't you agree? I mean, especially with the figures involved. I mean, on Bradley, we made a significant profit because we sold him for about seven million euros. We only paid three and a half to Kiever, I think. So we virtually doubled our money for you know, in a period of 18 months. I have a huge respect for Bradley. He was one of the most professional players we had, a very consistent player. Uh, but like the same uh, thing I say about Destro, it's like the second tier kind of uh, good player. It's not top of the class, but you want those players in the squad because it's great rotation players. But... Like in the indispensable players in the first team, no. I wasn't uh, a big fan of Bradley this season, but like you say, he was always a great professional. Did whatever we asked of him. But also the the interesting thing about the Nangolan deal is also how we 
we we really did well to organize um well Sabatini to to negotiate the payment scheme of it because I I think we're only paying 2.6 million euros now somewhere around that maybe 3 million euros to loan him actually and then I think we buy buy half of him for about 6.5 million euros more or less I don't know if you guys can remember the about right, exact yeah. figures yeah. and then I remember Ma- uh, Massimo Cellino who was well, probably still is technically the owner of Cagliari. He said he actually gifted Nainggolan to us because of the um, the player's will and that uh, to move to Roma. So I think we really got lucky with the price there. I think we could have. I remember in the summer he was rumored to be around 15 million, and then we went with Strutman rather, who was around that price. And um, I thought at the time Strutman was better than Nainggolan. I still think that, but Nainggolan is a great player to have on your bench and to have um, for depth. Yeah, and he's more versatile than Bradley. I think he could play in De Rossi's role if he had to. I think he could try his best to fill Pjanic's boots if he had to. He's he's pretty creative. Yeah. Um. So more versatile than Bradley. Got him quite cheap. So one of the best deals of of both the summer and the winter market. Facing teams like Juventus, and you want to dispose of players like uh, Vidal. He, he's the player you you. Put on the on the pitch. The other thing I think is that it was a good move to allow Badiso to leave. I mean, obviously it was generally of his own making. He wanted to play regularly, but he hadn't impressed at all this season, really. And um, to get Toloi, who was quite a you know um, uh, well-known defender in Brazil, plays for São Paulo. I think is is a, is a with on loan with for a half a million euros with the option to buy him for a further five and a half million in the summer. That That is something of a coup as well by um, Sabatini. So um, I think we improved the team um, quite a bit because a lot of the players who went, obviously Borriello has become a regular thing trying to, you know, place him somewhere. And then uh, Marquinho didn't really play that much under Garcia, neither did Caprari. So we we didn't really lose much. A little bit with Bradley, a little bit I think from the players who left, but we stand to gain quite a bit from the players who've uh, come in. Mm-hmm. The other thing is I think strategically some of these players who are either out on loan or will come back to us in the summer because of they where they went like Paredes and Abria etc. They 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 might find a place in the squad for next season. So. It, it relieves some of the work that has to be done in the summer. We can focus perhaps more on quality in the positions where we really need to improve, like left back and goalkeeper. Yeah, and, uh, and also keep in mind if we qualify for Champions League, you have to build a bigger squad. Exactly. So I think it, it's it's very wise what's been done to use the winter market um, so well, so that it relieves a bit of pressure in the summer. And we can focus more on quality rather than uh, uh, quantity. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, let's there, is, there is one issue that wasn't resolved, and that's Kanich's renewal, because his contract ends in uh, in uh, sixty months or so. Yeah, that's right. So something will have to be done there by June, July. Well, by probably after the World Cup, because uh, yeah. I agree. Uh-huh. I, I think we will resign him for uh, for uh, he will sign a new contract. Uh, but I also think 
if push comes to show and we we will, and Roma decides to sell, I think we will get enough money to replace him, like we did uh, last summer with the departed players that I I never thought we could replace. But you know, Jajecin for Lamela. Uh, and Benatia um, in for Makinius, Gavinio in for Osvaldo. Just worst case scenario, if we decide to sell Pjanic, which would be a very sad thing, uh, I don't think it's the end of the world. I disagree, actually, Alex. Um, That's a good I saw thing. In a lot of the, I saw a lot of in the Italian news that he'll he'll probably resign with with a release clause of around thirty so, million, yeah. thirty million euros, and. Um, I don't know, he's the most irreplaceable player. Although I did ask on Twitter if, if hypothetically, would you sell Benatia or Pjanic? And uh, almost everyone went for rather sell Pjanic than Benatia. So, I don't know, I'm, I'd be so worried. if I think we are going to sell him in the summer, and I'll be quite worried to see who we replace him with. Because the only person I thought on the market was Johan Kabay, and he's he's gone off to PSG now. So, I, I really don't see a replacement for him, but... Sabatini is a genius. So yeah, exactly. Should have, should have faith in him, yeah. I think it, part of it will come down to the size of the offer that, that we get. But the important thing will be to re-sign him in order to be in, to have, if you like, a, a strong bargaining position. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't think Pjanic would necessarily be against that. I think he, he wouldn't mind re-signing and then with the option that maybe, you know, the club decide to cash in, you know, but um, we'll have to see. I don't think it's necessarily the case that he will leave, um, but the size of the offer might be one that we can't turn down. But then you have to consider that with the financial fair play rules taking a tighter grip, how will this, some of these high transfer fees, will we see them in the summer? Maybe not. So, um, and PSG probably wouldn't be interested because they signed Kabai from Newcastle uh, last month, so maybe there's a lot of uncertainties really, and um, yeah. it's probably it's difficult to see what's going to happen. But hopefully, I think it will be in our interest to keep him, to sign him definitely, and then to re-sign him, sorry, and then to to keep him. Hopefully, let's go into the questions uh, because I have a few on Twitter. So we've got one from Ross Catanzariti. Um, maybe I'll give this one to James. He asks, um, which or what number nine should we be targeting in the summer? And do you think the likes of Zeko and Mandzukic are unrealistic? I don't see either of those players coming. So I would like to see us see more of Destro really before, because we we have to remember that a club with our economy. Um, we're going to find it very difficult. It was a real stretch to sign Strootman and Lamella as well. Um, you know, and they were under 20 million euros, both players. So, and given that we invested 17 million euros in Destro, and that the complexity of that transfer was waiting for the, the resolution of the co-ownership he had with between Siena and Genoa, and then selling Barini to Liverpool in order to part finance and make the space for Destro. Obviously Sabatini, you know, places a lot of faith in him. So um, I at the moment, as things that and with the possibility still of going to the World Cup in the Azuri squad, I think 
I wouldn't, I don't see striker at the moment as such a bigger priority perhaps as, as other people do. Because I want to see more of Destro over the coming, well the last three yeah. months or so of the season. Alex, do you want to have a go at that? You know, when you asked me first time, I was unsure whether I had anything to add, but you know, in, in terms of the, on the, on all the talk yesterday on, on Twitter, um, I guess the Roma camp, uh, is divided into camps now. The one who favors Destro and he, and the one who doesn't. And, uh, I think it will be very tough for Destro to get enough uh, playing time or get uh, confidence he needs to grow. So, yeah, I definitely think we're going to look for a new striker eventually. But I don't think we need to do that right now. Uh, I'm not sure whether we need to do that this summer. But it's definitely something the next 15 games will decide because I think Destro will have uh, enough chances to prove a lot of the fans wrong. Um, because now he seems to be in limbo. You know, he can he can go yeah. uh, it can go very wrong, or it can go well for him. And I I hope for his sake that he goes back to to the impressive uh, start um, he had when rushing back from the in- injury. So um, yeah. I'm a bit worried, um, but I'm I'm hoping for the best. So uh, yeah, did you, do you have anything to say on that topic, Daniel? Um, I'd, I would just agree with James. I, I'd rather just, uh, I'd stick with Destro and give him a, give him a go one more season. If, if after that, then maybe we can look at bringing in someone better or bigger. But, uh, for now, I think, uh, keep the faith with Destro. Yeah. Uh, try another one here. This is from Tweetinho. I don't know if you guys follow him, but. Yeah, he of, says, of um, course. <laughs> He's one of the loudest Roma fans out there. <laughs> He asks, didn't we need a uh, right-back and a left-back in uh, instead of purchasing Nangolan and uh, some of the other players that we brought in? Um, yes, I think I think Mycon, we can get to the end of this season with Mycon on the right. On the left, um, the left was a bit more uncertain because Belzaretti started the season as a starter and then um, was injured and Dodo took over and seemed to have um, become the starter, and then he was injured for quite a few weeks now. So um, uh, the fullback position is a great, it's something that I think that needs a re- some sort of resolution to some extent in the summer. Um, looking through, we did sign um, a fullback in Golubovic. He's 19 years old. He's playing for Navarra. So maybe he will be an option for next season. Um, but I do think, yes, I do think definitely um, we should buy at least one fullback neck in the summer. Um, that's a position that will need some investment. But maybe the thinking was that um, with Mycom fairly stable on the right and a combination of Dodo, Belzaretti and um, Torosidis on the left, we, we had enough cover to get to the end of the season. I think uh, also for next season, hopefully, Maicon Torosidis will last on the right. And uh, uh, I think we have to do solve the left-back thing, yeah. Uh, the thing is, we have 
Balsaretti and Dodo and uh, to move someone in there you have to move someone out and uh, I would rather have Dodo but he's also the guy who potentially can get somewhere with enough playing time so maybe he's the one who should get playing time somewhere else yeah, loan him out have a Balsaretti as a backup and uh, and uh, find a, a, a new solid uh, left back I think um, I'll just say I think we 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 missed a, a really good transfer, which would have been D'Ambrosio, who Inter got, and they got him on the cheap. I think he would have been good to bring in. And um, for me, I'd rather get rid of Balzaretti in the summer and then keep Dodo as the backup. Maybe I would have liked to have had D'Ambrosio and Dodo, but, but yeah, yeah. I've, I've lost faith in Balzaretti. Maybe wrongly so, but. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with you, Jan, Daniel. But my point with Dodo is, then you're more or less giving up on him and saying you're our backup yeah. and you can't grow into. Yeah, and he's only 21 or. So. Yeah, so I would rather uh, hope we have a get a fit left back who can play most of the games, so Balsaretti won't be more than a backup. I think we 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 would be just fine with that solution and let Dodo uh, hopefully develop into a, a better... Uh, if Dodo returns, though, and does develop further, then it may be that they won't touch the left-back position. They'll use Belzaretti, who had a three-year contract, I think, so he'd be in the last year of his contract next season, as the backup to Dodo, and then invest on the right, because I'm not sure how sustainable Mycon will be I mean, Mykon's declined from when he was at Inter, but he was an exceptional player at Inter, arguably the finest right back around. But, so he had a very high standard, he said, but he's not at that standard now, and I just wonder how Sabatini will, will view it in the summer. Maybe he will think, um, we need, you know, Mykon wouldn't be sustainable next season, particularly if next season there's going to be an even stronger challenge for the Scudetto and and to make a respectable showing in the Champions League. Well, we have Torosidis. Well, I think uh, I think we'll all agree that having Dodo, Balzaretti, Torosidis, I think we'll get we'll get murdered in the Champions League if any of them are starting towards the end of the competition. I'd be really worried to go into a last 16 round with Dodo on the left or Balzaretti or Torosidis. Mycon, I'm I'm still a fan of. I think he can do at least one more year, maybe two. But yeah, for the future, I think we need a lot of planning for both left and right back. Yeah, but I think Torosidis is much better as a right back option. Yeah. Than a left back. So Torosidis and Mycon, I think we're fine on the right back next season. Uh, the left, uh, a much different story. But okay, let's move on before we, we need to wrap it up. Um, I think we have a couple more questions. I have one from uh, our friend Scott Munro um, uh, on the on the when we talked about Paredes. Uh, we might have already answered this. Do you think Garcia will incorporate a new system next year to include Leandro Paredes to the side? Is he a player who more or less can go into Pjanic offensive uh, role? Isn't he more like a Lamella type player who can play centrally and play. Yeah, I think Lamella uh, is was different in terms of he would rather stick to the, the side a bit more. 
while yeah. I read more about Paredes that he's more the central type. Yes, I think that's right. So yes, I mean technically it is a possibility that if Pjanic left, Paredes could um, replace him. I mean he'll have he was presented this week by Kievo, so hopefully we'll be able to see him um, how he gets along at Kievo for the rest of the season. Um, and there's an option to... I mean, presumably he will return to Roma because his transfer is that um, we have him on loan for next season as well and then the option to buy him in summer 2015. So presumably we will bring him back in order to make a decision, you know, the following summer about what to do with him. I think it's possible he has a future at Roma, yeah. And my understanding is that Paredes is... He plays a little bit uh, further up than than Pjanic, more like a like a trequartista in a way. Um, but like uh, James says, I think Kiev will take the option to loan him again. So I don't think we'll see him next season with Roma, but probably the season season afterwards. Okay. Tyler knows asks us uh, if we did a mistake, but by not buying a striker uh, this window, and also. From uh, Ambrose Oldland, who asked us the same thing if we needed our new striker. But I think we already answered this question and, and yeah. more or less saying, let's give uh, Destro the season. I mean, he did actually just come back from a very serious injury a few months back. So uh, I think it's better to, to give him our support. And then uh, yeah. let's uh, let's go over the Destro thing in the, in the summer maybe. Um, yeah, that's the questions. Do you guys have anything else to add? One question: Do you think Destro will go to the World Cup? No, um, pro- probably not. Me neither. I don't think so. I think I think it was Valdo Pandeli uh, will pick Osvaldo over him, probably undeservedly so, but. That's how I see it ending up. Yeah. Silently, I'm just begging for Totti in this World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> as a as a Roma fan, I'm I'm hoping he isn't picked. As an Azzurri fan, I'm hoping he's picked. It's it's difficult. Yeah. Well, you know, there, it, there's no no Totti no party. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. James, Daniel, thanks for joining uh, me on this podcast. It was, as always, great fun to have you on. Thank you. And, uh, Cheers, thanks, man. You're always welcome back. Um, hopefully, also next time, I hope Greg has... He's out shopping for a new house in Washington, so he's hopefully done with that uh, in the near future. And uh, the reason I'm the main host today is because Julian is... I think it's a lot of snow in the United States, so suddenly he just disappeared on us. Um, so I hope he is safe and sound and ready for the next podcast as well. So in the meantime, grazie Roma. Ciao. Ciao. Ciao.